WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Due to the current COVID-19 pandemic, many people have been wearing masks. However, there's been a lot of questions about the efficacy of them. For example, do masks really work? And yes, it has been scientifically proven, but today we're here talking to Erica Book about her research on how she looked at masks under a microscope. Erica, may you please introduce yourself and your research for us? Yeah, I'd love to. Like she had said, my name is Erica Book. I'm an undergraduate student at Michigan State University. I'm on a pre-medical track doing a whole bunch of different things. And one of the things that a lot of pre-meds get to participate in at state is research. I was able to take a class this last year where we learned about what's called a scanning electron microscope. And then I got to use one for a project of my choice. And with masks being a very prevalent and important issue at the time with a huge component that relates to health and medicine, I analyzed a disposable mask under that microscope, one that had not been used, and then one that had been used several times to see how it changed. It's nice to meet you, Erica. And it's really cool that you got to do this project as part of a class. When it came to the masks that you were using your scanning electron microscope with, did the masks that were used have any sort of viruses or bacteria on them? Did you see any differences between any of the used masks? For this study, I looked at just one mask that had been used. To my knowledge, it had not been exposed to COVID-19. My younger sister actually wore it playing soccer, so I have no idea ultimately what was on it. She had never had a positive test, but as far as who she was interacting with, I truly don't know. We were able to see that there was debris on the mask. However, the way that a scanning electron microscope works is it exists inside of a vacuum. So that sucks all the air outside of it. And any bacteria or virus cells have fluid and water inside, and that gets destroyed inside of the vacuum. So this type of microscope wouldn't allow us to differentiate between maybe a COVID particle or like a drop of sweat or even dead skin. So we could see that there was stuff there that wasn't on the unused one, but we really couldn't tell what it was, no. Thanks for explaining that. Plus, to some of our listeners who have heard our past episodes about the levels of a biosafety laboratory, you would need a BSL-3 in order to be working with masks that you know have COVID-19 on them. So it'd be pretty difficult for a class to get the approval to work in a BSL-3 environment. When you were researching the clean masks, how were you able to test the efficacy of them? For example, were you able to actually see the difference in those microns and were you able to put them in different scenarios? A little bit yes and a little no. What we did was we took two areas of a mask to specify disposable. We're talking about those. They're usually blue or white. They're two layers. Some people will call them like surgical masks. The ones that are designed to be used one time and thrown away. They have that outer layer of fabric and then that inner layer of fabric. So I took a small section from each because the material that it's made up of is a little different. And ultimately, we were able to see the scanning electron microscope, or it's called an SEM for short, has a lot of topographical functions. So topographical indicates kind of like depth. 
So we can see if something is taller or shorter based on where it is compared to the lens of the microscope. And what we saw in the unused masks was that that was flat. It didn't look like we had any hills or bumps or anything like that. And when we compared that to the used one, we saw all kinds of bumps and changes in what appeared to be the texture of the surface. And knowing what we know from a medical standpoint, as well as how things build up on fabrics, we were able to deduce that that had been as a result of them being used. The unused one came right out of a package. Yeah, it's possible that there were some other contaminants, but nothing that appeared to me. We've had episodes in the past talk about how transmission electron microscopes work, so it's really cool to learn about the difference in how a scanning electron microscope works and how you use it to study your masks. I really like the analogy describing the topography of how the masks are going to change and how you could see the height, essentially, of the different particulates that are sitting on top of the mask, depending on the angle of that microscope. That got me thinking a little bit about the uniformity of the mask and how it changes. When you go from the edge of the mask to the middle of the mask, do you see any differences in the topography and the uniformity of the mask? And how does that change for different kinds of masks? My research primarily focused on the disposable mask specifically, but when I went in, I was unsure of what we we're going to be able to find. So I did actually also analyze what are considered reusable masks. They were the DIY at home with fabric from Walmart type. But you were able to see at that level of magnification that the way the fabric is made up is a little bit different. So we're looking at a really small piece. It's almost like a scrap of fabric or a fraction of a scrap of fabric. I couldn't probably tell you the difference from the edge to the middle, but when you move around on even this small piece, you can see that there are these fabric squares that seem to be attached by threads in like a web-like pattern. So when we're looking at these masks, we can see differences in the pieces that make up that fabric. And then that allows us to analyze a little bit of how that fabric broke down after being used. I've heard that whenever people are making masks with fabric, that they will put multiple layers of fabric in it for better protection. Whenever you were looking at the fabric, were you looking at one layer of fabric or multiple? Because I'm wondering how much more space was in between the fabric versus those disposable masks. With a scanning electron microscope, we're only able to look at one layer of fabric at a time. The way that it works is that electrons actually come in and bounce off of the object that's placed there. So we can only look at the top surface. We can't go through, doesn't have any ability to act like an x-ray type scan at all. So if we wanted to look at different layers, we have to look at them independently. What we saw in the biggest difference between the disposable and the fabric was the connection of those square pads I talked about a minute ago, where you have these squares that are attached by threads in a web-like pattern. And we saw that in the fabric ones, that web-like pattern was a little bit tighter. So there were more threads, they were spaced closer together. And then when we looked at the used and the unused, we didn't really see a big difference between the one that had been used. We kind of expected that because that fabric is, it's stiffer. It's designed to be used more than once. While this disposable fabric is meant to be used once and thrown away. And so we were able to see that fabric actually breaking down after it had been used. Interesting that the fabric degrades after use, but it makes sense. Since the fabric masks had only one layer and the disposable ones have two, did you have to break apart the masks to understand and study both of those layers? Yeah, we did. The fabric masks we use actually also had two layers, so their structure was pretty much identical. The real difference was the type of fabric that was used to make it. 
So this had an inner layer and an outer layer. And what we did was we separated that and then we took a sample from the inner layer and a sample from the outer layer. And we looked at both under similar magnifications just to see if we saw anything different on the one that was closer to the face versus the one that was further from the face. But yes, we had to cut that apart in order to do that. I know that you had said that scanning electron microscopes uses electrons to bounce off of whatever it's looking at. However, to help our audience understand more about these SEM or scanning electron microscopes, can you tell us what kind of magnification you were using and what that means really? Like how much are you seeing with this microscope? Yeah, for sure. I wish that that was a straightforward answer, and unfortunately, it really isn't. What a lot of people are exposed to with magnification is in what we call like a light microscope. That's what you'd see in a high school or a middle school classroom, and it has a lens in the eyepiece and then another lens. And so you can take what those magnify to say this is magnified 400 times. But when we look at scanning electron microscopes, we have a computer that's attached to the microscope. And so it immediately processes the image onto that screen. So it showed on that screen by one magnification. But when I save those images and I look at them on my computer, which is a different size, it's a different magnification. If you were to look at that on a phone or um, an iPad, those are going to have different magnifications. So when we're dealing with scanning electron microscope images, we don't really go by magnification. We use a scale bar because as an image is shrunk or expanded, that scale bar is going to remain consistent. I actually didn't know that that's how the magnification changed according to the kind of device that you're using. When it comes to the electrons that are being emitted by the SCM, how are they being generated in the first place? And then what is used to actually record the reflection of those electrons? Yeah, um, in a scanning electron microscope, essentially you have a beam of electrons that get processed through a column. That beam can come from different thermal emission sources. So a thermal emission source is some element that's being heated that's going to cause electrons to leave that compound. Usually, and what we used in the scanning electron microscope for this project was a tungsten filament where then when that's given heat, those electrons are going to bounce away from that tungsten and then able to go look at the sample. This can also be referred to as a field emission cathode for those who are a little more familiar with the chemical end of electrons. So essentially what happens then is these electrons interact with the atoms that are in the sample we're looking at. Electrons are one element of any molecule, and when they bounce off of one thing, they're going to interact with something else, either by attraction or being repelled. And so what happens is that based on what that sample is, those electrons are either attracted to it or repelled by it. And that produces a signal, which is what gives us that topography, that hills and valleys type, whether or not we think this is flat, the composition. So then the microscope has a scanning technology that then takes that and transmits it into a computer image. I've heard that disposable mass should only be used once. However, some people have definitely used it more than once. Before you analyze the mask, how long was that person wearing it for, and did they use it more than once? Yeah, for the used mask that we ended up analyzing primarily in this project, it was worn for a total of about six hours of use, and this was spread over four 90-minute periods, give or take a little bit here and there. 
the CDC had a big concern over the reuse of masks as that can contribute to some cross-contamination when you're taking it off and then setting it somewhere and then putting it back on. And we didn't have the time to look at whether that made a huge difference. But for this project, we were looking at this mask that had been used four separate times. Yeah, that's always something that I'm thinking about whenever I go to the gym and I'm wearing my mask. I always think about, okay, has this been long enough? Should I go and wash it now? Because mine's not a disposable one, it's a fabric one. And I always think about that kind of thing. How does your research fight against the issue of misinformation when it comes to the effectiveness of masks? And have you done any outreach when it comes to your research? Yeah, I think first and foremost, understanding whether masks are effective or not comes down to a belief in science. And I think there has been a lot of misinformation and misinterpreted information, especially around masks, because with the way that this whole pandemic has occurred, a lot of news sources are coming from posts on Facebook and somebody getting on TikTok and talking about their personal experience. And while all those things are valid, your high school chemistry partner probably doesn't have a degree in epidemiology or public health. And so for me, finding anything that had solid, concrete scientific evidence, I felt could help to combat some of the theories that are drawn in in fear or lack of understanding. I know for me personally, there's a difference between being told something, reading something, and seeing something with my own two eyes. So being able to look at these images of these masks that had been used and unused and see that in this used mask, the fabric is broken down. There is stuff on it that isn't on the unused mask. Being able to see a picture of that seemed like undisputable proof to me. So I thought that you can't deny if you see these images that there's something there. There is a difference in the way that the mask looks. And that just seems very concrete to me. As far as outreach, I'm a full-time student, so that has been relatively limited. I presented at the Undergraduate Research Fair at Michigan State, and I also presented through my Lyman Briggs College at Michigan State. So I have put the information out there in those forums. I've done some sharing online just through my own personal social media accounts. Obviously talked about it with everybody in my personal life because I was very excited about it. But in terms of outreach beyond that, it's just not something that has really fallen into place for me with all the other things I try to balance. I bet that those masks definitely picked up other things because whenever I'm cleaning or whenever I'm outside and I feel like the pollen count is high, I feel like my allergies are doing a lot better whenever I wear a mask. Earlier when you had introduced your research, you said that you were taking an SEM course or a scanning electron microscope course and that this project was actually your class project. Were other people doing projects that supported your research? And if not, what were some interesting projects that you heard about? Yeah, this course was totally independent. So while we sat in a Zoom call the first semester of fall, semester of 2020, and learned about the process of how this works, the technology and the chemistry of the microscopes, when it came down to doing our projects, that was 100% individual. We each set up a time independently to work with our professor. Those of us who were able to come onto campus, which I was, used those microscopes by hand. Others did them remotely, depending on where they were located. I didn't have much interaction with any of my other classmates. From my understanding, I'm the only one who looked at masks, so there wasn't anything else that supported or refuted what I found. I'm not sure what some of my classmates did this semester. I know in years past, 
People have looked at things like guitar strings. They've analyzed different cosmetics. Somebody has looked at different elements of dead flies, things like that. But to my understanding, I was the only one who chose to look at masks this year. Still, it's really great that you got to learn this kind of experience and gain it while doing an independent research project. Now that you've concluded this work, do you have any project ideas on using the scanning electron microscope for the future? Or do you want to continue doing more work on masks? Yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to using the scanning electron microscopes again. This is actually something that is really unique to Michigan State undergraduate students. Most colleges, even big research schools, don't have SEM technology because it's not only expensive to buy in the first place, but it's really expensive to maintain and to keep up in working condition. So this course is limited to about 12 students a year, and that's about it. So it's really a small group of people who have access to it and have the ability to do it. And so it's seen as something that a lot of companies and researchers are looking for students and people who have experience because there just aren't that many of us. If somebody were to approach me or I were to cross paths and they're like, hey, we're really looking for somebody who has SEM background. Like, are you interested in researching this with us? I wouldn't be opposed to it. I don't know that I will go out of my way to search for it just because it is more of a material science style, which is not something I am particularly planning to pursue, but I wouldn't count it out. And as far as masks go, I think we're kind of coming out of the needing masks in the first place. So we didn't see the pandemic coming in the first place. And if there were to be something else to come, it's definitely something I wouldn't mind pursuing again. But in terms of the foreseeable future, my areas of research are a little more focused on human medical background rather than the fabrics that align with it. You're so right. It is so unique that MSU has scanning electron microscopes, especially a class for it. A few years ago, I even took a class for confocal microscopes, which is a different story and something I'm not going to get into right now. I'd like to know more about you, though. I know that you had said that you were in Lyman Briggs College. However, what do you study and what do you want to do in the future? Yeah, so I always describe it to my friends as that I'm kind of crazy. That or I'm just indecisive and decided to do it all. One of my favorite things about Michigan State is all of the options and all of the opportunities that students have, some very unique and some very general. So my goal, my end goal in life is I would like to be a trauma surgeon. So I'm looking at medical school. And Michigan State's equivalency to a pre-med program is human biology. So I'm pursuing that. And I came in to double that with statistics because I love my high school stats course. Stats are really important in science in general. And I find math to be a challenge that is always something that I need and I don't necessarily always get from my basic sciences. In my first semester of college, I fell in love with psychology. So I picked up a major in that, and then I recently decided to pursue a major in neuroscience as well. So pre-med is the goal, and I'm picking up some stuff along the way. Wow, that is quite difficult, and it reminds me a little bit of when I was an undergrad when I pursued a degree in chemistry and physics. But it's really great that you're going to do that to prepare for a career eventually in trauma surgery. Thanks again for talking to us about your research on masks, and good luck with the rest of your undergraduate career. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love the opportunity to talk about some of the things I'm working on and taking this opportunity I had to work with this very unique technology and be able to show that to people who may not know it exists and most likely haven't had experience on their own. So thanks for giving me a chance to talk about it. 
Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.